0: You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. Open your Bible this morning to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 17. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one in the pew in front of you on your phone or device. We'll be looking at John 13 starting at verse 12. But as you turn there, there's, there is one of the most important times in my life as I consider the lessons that God has taught me. When Jen and I were engaged. We served two summers as camp counselors. Now this is a different sort of camp than we take our kids to. It wasn't a church camp exactly. It was Christian, but it wasn't where churches came. Individual kids would, they'd board a bus in Richmond, Virginia, and then they would ride to the mountains. It was from the inner city to the to the mountains. And many of these kids had never left the inner city, that's all they knew was the inner city. They hadn't seen this gorgeous landscape. And so they, they drive out, they four hours or so from the city and they come to the mountains. And they they come off this bus and there's all these young adults, college age young adults there greeting them, big smiles on our faces. And that would happen four times throughout this summer at a place called Camp Alculana. And these kids would come, and, but we would immediately when they come, even before they come, we did everything. As camp counselors, we did everything. We did have a cook, but beyond that, we did everything. We ran this camp. There's a director, but as camp staff, you did everything. Anything that needed to be done, you did it. You'd take care of the kids, you cleaned clean toilets, you mopped floors, you did maintenance. I mean, was the first time I ever used a chainsaw was there, maybe the last time too. <laughs> no. But well, we did anything. Anything that needed to be done, you, you did it. I mean, we even had an outhouse that we had to take care of. People taught swimming lessons, they taught kids how to swim. It, it was a picture, it was really the, the first time where I had experienced in this level what it means to serve. Sure, I'd served in the church as a teenager, I'd seen it, but to spend a whole summer with other people your age serving. There was nobody that was really above anyone else, even the director, a wonderful lady named Gracie. Even she would do any of the tasks that we asked she would do. In fact, she taught many of us how to do some of these things. Everybody served. You didn't get to say, well, hey, I'm not going to do that hey, I'm going to college to be a, a lawyer. And there was somebody that was there that was going to be a lawyer one day. They didn't say, hey, I, I'm going to be a lawyer. I, I can't do this menial task. No, we all served. And it was a picture of what service looks like. I mean, that's what we've been considering the last several weeks. And, and this past Sunday, we, we looked at Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And this morning, I want you to think about this main point. I want you to consider this. By humbly serving others, we actively demonstrate our love and obedience to Jesus Christ. By humbly serving others, we actively demonstrate our love and obedience to Jesus Christ. So let us read in John 13. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. That you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Father, may you bless your word this morning. May you give us a greater picture of what it means to serve faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus here, He's in this scene. It's the Last Supper. Right before Jesus is going to go to the cross. And He does something extraordinary. He washes His disciples' feet. The act of a slave, a servant, a, the lowest person on the totem pole so to speak, the lowest person would be the one that would wash his master's feet, not the teacher, the the master himself would never wash somebody's feet, it was lowly, disgraceful and yet Jesus did that, but we also saw last week the great theological symbolism there that just as Jesus has washed our feet, it's a picture of the cleansing that takes place when we believe in Jesus Christ you see all of us we are stained with sin we we mess up we are again not righteous in our own way but through Jesus we can be cleansed made new and so it's a picture there of Jesus and what he does in fact many commentators see a picture do you see there where it says he took off his outer garment and he laid it down and then he picks it up some commentators see symbolism there of laying down his life and taking up his life in the resurrection and so there's great symbolism but it's the extraordinary love of Jesus Christ we see that but today I want us to see the practical element of it all Yes, it's theological. Yes, it's deep in the symbolism, but there's a practical element to it as well. Imagine you're there. Imagine you're there in that upper room. You see all the disciples, and they're there, and you see Jesus, and He's washed their feet. You saw Peter, and say, hey, you can't do that. You witnessed that whole exchange. You watch the disciples as they're stunned. They don't know what to make of it. And then you see Jesus and he, he gets his outer garment and he puts it back on. And now he returns to his place of teaching. And you see him, he, he goes back to his place. And he does what all teachers do. They ask questions, don't they? That's what teachers do. They ask you questions, and many of you, you know, you're you're always nervous when the teacher asks questions, right? Do you know? Do you understand? And Jesus says, do you understand what I've done to you? He says, do you understand? Now, Jesus was not asking them to get a sort of a practical answer, like, oh, yes, I understand. No, Jesus wasn't looking for a head answer, he was looking for a, heart answer did they truly understand the significance of what jesus had done did they understand the full 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 significance did they get it like did they see did are they going to miss what jesus did are they just going to say oh he washed our feet that was nice did they get it now we know just like ourselves But in the Bible, there were so many times that the disciples didn't get it. We don't know here. He doesn't give them a chance to answer. But we don't always get it. And so the question for us is, do you get it? Do you understand? Not not can you recite to me this story, but do you get it? Do you understand the depth of what Jesus said? Has done. Now, in order to really understand the what Jesus has done, we have to know the who. And Jesus is going to point this to himself because in order for you and I to live out anything that God calls us to do, we need to know who Jesus is. It's the who that changes everything. Jesus Christ. And so you say, well, well Pastor, I know Jesus. I, I've been in church for 100 years. I've heard every message. I, I know Jesus. He died on a cross. I, he was born in a manger. I know him. What? No, no, no. Do you know him? Do you know him so much that you will follow Jesus? Because there's a lot of people that know about Jesus, but do you know him and do you follow him? What do we need to know about him? He says, Listen, he says, Listen, you call me, you call me teacher and Lord. And you are right. So I am. Now, I want to unpack this little passage here because this is important. You see, in many ways, when you called someone teacher and Lord, this was a term of respect in the ancient world. This would be like saying, Mr. or Sir, or Mrs. or Ma'am. You would do that, right? You would say, again, in a school setting. So in some ways, teacher and Lord could be just a polite thing. But Jesus is going to amp it up a little bit. There's more to it. Because you're right. I am the teacher and Lord. But as we look through the Gospels, we see that there's so much wrapped into it. When Jesus is the teacher, it reminds me of John eight twenty eight, where Jesus says, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. So it's as if Jesus is saying, you're right, I'm the teacher, but listen, I'm not just any ordinary average teacher that's teaching you what I think is right and correct. He goes, listen, when I teach you, I'm teaching you directly what the Father is teaching me. So his role as a teacher is not something where he is just making it up. He's saying, listen, this is from the Father. It's important, but then he's going to say something that's even going to make that more significant. He's saying, I'm the Lord. Now, Lord, again, can be polite. But it reminds me of what Thomas said in John 20, verse 28. When he understood who Jesus was, he said, my Lord and my God. You see, when Jesus is saying he's Lord here, I believe it's also a picture of Jesus' divine nature. He is God in the flesh. And so again, when he is teaching, it is the words of God that he is teaching. And when he is showing them and guiding them and leading them, he is leading them as God in the flesh. The other reason that we see that, he says, for so I am. Now that phrase, I am, you've heard of this, some of you have. They are statements of Jesus' divinity. Now this is a little different in the greek language but it at least reminds us here that jesus is the great i am he is god saying listen i'm the teacher in the lord you're right you're right about that it's almost like saying listen don't zone out now listen people zone out sometimes when i preach that's okay i remember when i was in college I worked during the day and took some classes at night from time to time. Now, I remember I went to one particular class, very tired. It was boring. It was three hours. You start to nod off, right? And to my horror, there's a big class, like hundreds, hundreds of people. It's a big, big lecture hall. And to my horror, the teacher I hear in my drowsiness, in my dream, but it wasn't a dream. I hear, hey, you in the yellow shirt, wake up. Oh, oh, okay. I drank Red Bull after that every class. But we zone out, don't we? You can zone out in a sermon. You can zone out in the class. But Jesus said, listen, don't zone out because I'm not just an average teacher. I'm not just some person that you call Mr. He goes, listen, I am the Lord, and I am God. I'm the great teacher. So listen up. He's more than just an average teacher. He says, "Listen, for I am the if I then your Lord and teacher." See how he swapped that? I think that's significant. Because you say that I'm teacher and Lord, you're right. He says. If I then, Lord and teacher, he's he's placing that divine status first. He says, listen, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash someone else's feet or others' feet. You see, Jesus understood educational philosophy long before other teachers did, right? He knew that everybody learns a little bit differently. And there are some people that needed to see Jesus act out this. If someone just says, hey, well, you need to do this, some of you don't get it, right? Other, a lot of us need to see it, experience it. And Jesus did that. He, he got down and he washed their feet. I mean, it was a picture. It wasn't just a lecturer droning on and on or a preacher it was a true teacher that said no no no. i don't want you just to know it i want you to see it i want you to experience it i want you to understand the the radical nature of what i am doing and jesus what he was doing was was radical it was unbelievable kind of sometimes we think it's just washing feet man much more than that. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want you, I want you to see it. Now what's happening here? Because he says, if I have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I'm giving you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. So what's happening? This is important. we got to stop here. Is what Jesus is saying here symbolic? Or is Jesus here inaugurating some sort of rite within the church, a practice in the church like Lord's Supper, baptism, right? We practice these things because Jesus told us to. Should we have a foot washing ceremony? Now, the reason I bring that up is because that is many, there are many people who believe that. There are denominations, there are groups that would have foot washing as one of their regular practices. So, is that what Jesus is saying here? Now, this morning, I'll give you what I believe, truly in my humble opinion. But if somebody, if some group wants to practice foot washing... That does not offend me at all. I'm okay with that. But I want to show you this morning, I don't believe that it is a right that Jesus is pract- that arguing for or telling us to do. But I think, I think it's something even deeper than that. So here's why I don't believe it's necessarily it's like baptism or Lord's Supper. You don't ever see foot washing in the New Testament practiced in those ways. In fact, you don't really ever hear it talked about other than 1 Timothy 5.10, but it's the context is not of, again, a ceremony in a church. It's the character of people who serve others. So we don't ever see that in that early church where it's practiced like Lord's Supper and baptism. But the other side of it is there's a symbolic nature of Washing feet. See, my fear is if it's turned into a ritual, then we'll miss the big picture. Because you can wash someone's feet and not really do it in the right way, right? Just as we can baptize in the wrong way or even take the Lord's Supper. But it's service. You see, in that time period, washing feet was a culturally acceptable way to show Again, great humility. It made sense. It made sense in their time. This picture was stunning. And so I believe that the big picture here is that you serve humbly. And so for us, the question is, listen, we we could wash each other's feet physically. You know what? That would be good to do. To remember this. But I believe we should step back and and take a bigger picture and say, well, it's more than just physically washing feet. It's a picture of how can we serve one another? How can we truly serve one another? Because I believe there's other very culturally relevant ways that you and I can serve each other. And serve people in our community." We can make a meal for someone when they can't make a meal. We can help someone clean their home when they can't clean their home. We can do all sorts of things. Help someone mow their yard. Fix up their house. We can teach the nursery here at church. There's so many ways to serve. And so the question is, are you serving faithfully? Are you finding a way that you can serve other people? And we'll get here to some of our excuses in a moment but that's that 's what Jesus is saying say listen, you ought to serve one another you ought to humbly serve each other he say listen this community that we 're building here is not going to be like any other community in the world it shouldn 't be he said there's no there's not going to be this hierarchy and even in our churches today it should be the same right way right yes, we do have leaders and different things but listen there's no hierarchy of importance we have different roles and i would stand before you today and say listen i am no more important than anybody else in this room the lord's just given me a different role and so how it should be is not that the preacher everybody serves him and does what he wants to know we all serve each other and this is radical like this is unbelievable, right? But does it happen? You see so often we zone out at the teachings of Jesus. We fall into the patterns of the world. Well, you know, the world they have structure and hierarchy and this person does this for this person and that's how it works and we we've incorporated to the church and It was never meant to be that way. Maybe we need to remember to be servants. He said, listen, no one's above the master. Truly, truly, whenever you see truly, truly in the Bible, take notice, it's there for a reason, it's important. Listen up. A servant, is not greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He's saying, listen, servants not greater than his master. Listen, he's the master. Say, listen, if I have washed people's feet, you're not more important than me. You're not greater than me. None of us gets to take a pass and say, I'm not going to do that. No, that's too lowly for me. Jesus saying, "Listen, I've done the lowliest of the lowliest jobs. The messenger's not greater than the one who sent him. We're the messengers he sent us. We're not greater than Jesus. We shouldn't become arrogant." Now, sometimes we like serving. And I mean that. Sometimes serving God and serving others is fun we enjoy it there are certain things that I really enjoy doing it's no it's no task for me to do some of these things I genuinely enjoy some of the things we do in church and you do too some of you like doing this or that it's great but let me ask you what happens when serving is hard? What happens when the conditions aren't optimal for service? What happens when serving others require something of you? What happens when service is painful because you're not always treated properly? What happens when you don't get the appreciation and encouragement that you need? You see, serving's fun when it's easy, but what happens when it's hard? I mean, what happens when you're serving God and you're the only one? You you look around and nobody else is there, but you're doing this menial job. You say, wait a second. Where's everybody else? What happens when serving God is taxing on your body? This is why what Jesus did is so stunning. Was this the optimal time to serve His disciples? I mean, not from a worldly perspective. I mean, He's about to die. I mean, He is literally going to be, or very figuratively going to be, on His deathbed. I mean, He is marching towards His death. horrible, brutal death that Jesus knew all about. He's heading towards this and yet he's taking his last few days and he's doing something so menial. Like this isn't optimal. This would be a time that you might say, hey, just take a break, Jesus. It's okay. Like this is the worst time to do this. You say, yeah, but but he's helping his friends out. Is he? Yeah, 11 of them. One of them is about to be the guy that's going to turn them in. And he's there washing one's feet that's going to betray him. Is that optimal? I don't think so. And so Jesus is showing us, listen, you wash feet. You serve others even when the conditions aren't optimal. Even when things aren't your way. Even when it's hard. Even when it attacks you physically. He said you still serve. You don't give up. You don't stop. Remember what we said. By humbly serving others, we actively demonstrate our love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Why don't we serve God faithfully? Now I'm thankful for this church. There are so many people here that serve faithfully. Regular service and thank you. But why is it that many times we don't serve? There's a word, and Joseph mentioned it this morning, and we hadn't talked about this at all, so I believe that's God's way. It's that word self. There's a reason we don't serve many times, and it's self. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm tired. Well, you know, God didn't call me to that. Well, you know, there's something better I, I can do. And, you know, I just, I've, I've served. I've done my time. Like it's a prison or something. Self. We like to serve when the conditions are optimal. We're not called to serve ourselves, we're called to serve God. And so we have lots of excuses. Do you think Jesus accepts any of those excuses? The suffering servant who's about to die on a cross. Do you think our tiredness compares to his death? You might say, well, pastor, I mean, really, you know, we, yes, we physically, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing that can hinder any of us from service. It might be different service, it might take a different shape or a different form. I mean, yes, maybe if you're in a coma, you can't serve God, okay. But just less than a coma, guess what, we can all find a way to serve. You and I, you can find. And so you seek God. You ask Him, God, what can I do? Lord, maybe you can't physically do what you used to. God, show me a new service here. God, lead me into that. God, let let us see what you are doing. Have you prayed and asked God to show you how to serve? Jesus says one more thing here that's important. Because not only is it a part of our obedience, God is gracious. And He allows service to also be a great joy. You see, it's not always hard. Like I said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, there are blessings in service. You will find the greatest joy in life when you serve others. You may not always find happiness, that temporary happiness, but there will be eternal joy. There will be eternal rewards. As we serve others, we will find the peace and happiness, knowing or the peace and joy of knowing that we are in the will of God this is where we want to be. I've seen people serve through grief and pain. And it brought them joy. I'll never forget. I don't think ever in my life. Eloise Pennington. As I think about Eloise Pennington hunched over there in the flower beds in her 90s. She wasn't washing feet, but just looked just like it. She's there. In every excuse we have, she probably could have had tenfold. And there she was, serving, tending the flower beds pulling the weeds serving God the way that he equipped her to serve I never heard her complain about it it's 110 degrees outside and she was there really she served God almost to the very end and she's a picture of service and I believe she found joy in serving God could it be said of us that we serve as she served what's stopping you And so this morning, I just want you to think, really today and this week, I want you to consider this. What is one way? What is one area? What is one thing, just one tangible thing that you can do to serve someone else, whether it's in the body or in our community? What is one thing that you can do to serve? Now, many of you do serve already, and I'm not saying this to add anything else to your plate. If you are confident and sense that the Lord, you are following the Lord's will, then Good, keep it up, keep going, don't give up. But maybe you consider, you know what, I'm not doing all that I can do for the kingdom. And so would you consider what's one tangible thing that you can do for God's kingdom? So I want you to think about that. I want you to remember that by humbly serving others, we actively demonstrate our love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the picture of your son washing feet, serving others as he's approaching his death. Lord, may that be said of us. That we serve as Jesus served. Lord, I pray that you would show us. God, that you would reach into our hearts and that you would show us. What is something I can do for the kingdom? What is God telling me that I need to do? God, may you open our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we consider this, that it would be affirmed right here in this church, Lord, that as you spark someone else's heart, Lord, that it would, Lord, that we would see and know that you are leading them to greater service. God, teach us. And Lord, my prayer also is that. Lord, that we would know and understand the great love of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, that we would know his sacrifice. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, they've they've never put their faith in him, this is step one. Lord, may you lead someone this morning to the throne of grace. May they come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, may you lead us as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.